Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tamu going deep down the middle, and one-handed grab! Touchdown, Ole Miss! D.K. Metcalf! What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino of the Draft Network, and I am your solo host, on today's episode of Draft Dudes, giving Kyle Krabs a day off. He, uh, I was off yesterday, so with it being Christmas week, we're kind of shifting up the schedule a little bit. But uh, I'm not alone, and I, and I, I, I've been waiting to do this. I, I've known since uh, for a while that I wanted to get my man Brad Kelly on this podcast to talk wide receivers, and I was saving it for the first time that I got the solo one, or the next time I got the solo one without Kyle, because I didn't want Kyle to get in the way of the questions that I have for Brad because he's my wide receiver guy. I've been editing this guy's pieces all, all year long. Uh, if there's any grammatical errors, those are the ones that Solak edited. But uh, Brad, I'm, I'm pumped to have you on to talk We're at wide receivers. How are we doing? Uh, I'm great. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, if there are any grammatical errors, they're definitely my fault. I'm very bad with that. But, you know, <laughs> it's all about knowledge. It's not about English. Well, and that's what you do. You drop the knowledge and you started this new series actually yesterday on draftnetwork.com called, called uh, Separation School. And the first one was on vertical uh, routes. And uh, maybe talk about that for a second and let everybody know what your plans are for that series because there is plenty of knowledge that was dropped and will be dropped in that series. Yeah, so I, I actually asked the good people of Twitter if they had any ideas for content um, that they specifically wanted to see. And someone said something along these lines. So turn it into a series uh, yesterday I had, like you said, the vertical route running. So I like really differentiating the differences between a, a go route, a fade, a, a seam, a slot fade and a stutter and go. And, and then giving examples and using draft eligible receivers clips from them as the example. So that way it's kind of halfway in between uh, like an education source and insight into, into some of the uh, wide receiver prospects. So the plan is to, to hit every single route um, on the route tree and all the different variations of all those. Uh, so, and then even maybe even go further, like this is how you beat press coverage against this and this, you know, so it should be very extensive. Uh, we'll, we'll likely take multiple weeks to finish, but definitely looking forward to it. I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. I, I, uh, I really enjoyed the vertical one. I'm going to be waiting for these things to come out. I hope, hopefully we get, on a weekly basis, I'm not sure what the plan is, but uh, this is great content. It's stuff that I'll probably be referencing for the rest of my life <laughs> as, I, <laughs> as I scout receivers. So this is a great tool, I know, for people like myself. But, uh, man, you guys got to go check this thing out on the draftnetwork.com. Separation School from Brad Kelly. Make sure you guys are following Brad on Twitter. He's at Brad Kelly 17 uh, because you will be smarter for paying attention to Brad and his wide receiver takes. And that's why we have him on today to talk about some of these prospects for this 2019 class. And man, there are a lot of teams that need weapons, need wide receivers in the passing game. We've got a lot of young quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, uh, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. They all need weapons, right? Even Sam Darnold, like all these young 
quarterbacks going into the that are you know had were year one starters need weapons. There's a lot of teams that already have established quarterbacks that need weapons, and we got to look at this draft class and and find out who the guys they can get to improve the weaponry. Because if you look at free agency, it's like John Brown, Tyrell Williams, an aging oh. Golden Tate. You know, it's not a whole lot. Right? It's kind of barren. And so the draft's going to be the spot to do this. And I know your wide receiver one is Ole Miss wide receiver DK Metcalf. He's my wide receiver one as well. But maybe people don't know about him. Maybe people are surprised that we are pounding the table for this guy as, you know, potentially even a top 10 pick. Why Why do people need to be excited about DK Metcalf? Uh, well, funny you should, we should mention DK because the first – clip on the vertical article of the separation school was of DK Metcalf's touchdown against Alabama on the first play of the game. Um, it's easy to get excited about Metcalf. Uh, one, I think he's still 20 years old. Uh, he's 6'4", 230 pounds, and he's sculpted by Zeus. He is like the prototypical, this is, you look at him and say, this is my wide receiver one for the next 10 years, just based on size. But then you look at his ability and his, his long speed, the way he can separate, he can win vertically. Uh, he, he can do everything you want from a big receiver as far as winning above the rim and doing all those little things, uh, physicality, blocking. Every, he has it all. He has all the tools. He has not produced at the elite level, so he produces less than one of his teammates, A.J. Brown, who we'll get to later. But as far as projecting him for the next level goes, I think Metcalf is that, is that prototype. It's the traits, right? Like they're just, they're rare. They're special. They're the type of stuff that you say, wow, this guy can be one of the premier receivers in the NFL. If you had to, to have, you know, pump the brakes at all with, with Metcalf, what are your concerns? Is there anything that gives you any, uh, any reason for caution? Uh, well, definitely the injury. He had the neck injury halfway through the season. Um, and then there's the lack of experience being, being relatively young coming out as a true junior um, who really barely even played as a junior. He played in seven games. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a lack of experience thing. This season, he was really mostly used on the vertical plane, and John Ledger's done a great job of, of giving examples of this. Basically, his routes were all, all going down the field and then breaking off a bit, but it wasn't a lot of dig routes. It wasn't a lot of uh, like in-breaking routes or even out routes. It was just a lot of vertical stuff, a lot of curls, and he doesn't have the experience in the full route tree. So if there's anything... To, to be worried about it's the medical and then it might take him a year it might take him two years to get to to reach his ceiling to get to that to that level that we think he'll get to now how when you think about the limited route tree that he did run one thing that i noticed when watching him is that even though he didn't run a ton of variation with his routes his speed and fluidity in and out of breaks was pretty friggin' good especially yeah. for his size so like does that give you the comfort to believe that he can expand and, and run this full route tree that we need him to in the nfl it definitely does and on top of that he also beats press coverage very yes. very well so most of the time when he is breaking on a route it's from you know the guy's not right on his hip as he's doing it so even if it wasn't the, the best break he's already getting separation at the line of scrimmage against a lot of guys so he already has separation in his routes um, but the, the traits are definitely there for, for the route running to, to expand and, and become that high level. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling grundle bliss 
to your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there or you're one of many, do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin-safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep that junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to this new new. Give the gift that will make your Valentine's Day spicy. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off and free shipping. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man and men. Your partner will thank you. Trust me, he will thank you. And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. All right, let's shift gears here to uh, a prospect that has a lot of buzz, and that's Oklahoma's Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. Um, he's a small guy, right? He's like 5'10", 168 pounds, what he's listed at. But obviously he's got that vertical speed, that that ability to get deep, that ability to do some gadget stuff. Some people think this is the best wide receiver in the class. Where are you on him, and what do you think like his ceiling is at the NFL level? Uh, so I definitely don't think he's the best wide receiver in the class. I think he's more of a fringe top 10 guy for me. Uh, I may end up in the top 10 because some guys still haven't even declared, so we don't know who exactly will be in the class. Uh, but like you said, he's more of just the vertical speed guy, and I think there are concerns over his game. If you look back at the Big 12 championship game against Texas, there were three examples from down the field. Um, and he had some separation, but he wasn't able to come down with the ball because his lack of size, his lack of strength, and I think he has a lack of ball skills as far mm-hmm. as actually going back up towards the football. Um, and some of, that, some of that is likely stemming from the fact that he's a little undersized. But if, if you want to use him as just a downfield guy, you have to bring those in in the NFL. Um, you know, the difference between him and, say, Tyree Kill right now and not even looking at the athleticism because I think they play a similar game. But it's just coming down with the ball down the field. Even if, even if, you know, a guy's on your hip, if a guy's, if a guy's new, you don't have perfect separation. You still have to come out that football. And I don't think he has that right now. Um, so I think that's what's really going to limit him early on in his career. And, and when you take a, to me, if you take a wide receiver in the first round, they need to be a guy that you think, okay, we can kind of funnel our passing offense through him. It, am I being, am I discriminating too much because of his size or do you think, like, if he does reach his ceiling, he does have, like, that Tyreek Hill upside, which is going to be the natural comparison based on the size-speed combination? Um, I, don't, I don't think that's quite his ceiling. I don't think he's that level of an athlete that Tyreek Hill is. I mean, he, Hill is just, you know, special, special speed. And Brown just has special speed, I guess. If you want to put it that way, he's not, <laughs> quite, he's not quite that fast. Um, I, do, I don't think that. If he becomes his ceiling, I think he'd be worthy of a, of a first-round pick. Um, I have doubts that he's going to get there because of his lack of strength, because of his lack of size. Um, he's going to have some issues early on in his career. Um, he's going to have issues with press coverage. If he ever has to face it, he's going to be limited to playing in the slot and being a motion guy. So I think if he does reach it, then it, it could be worthy of a first-rounder, but more likely than not, where I think the middle ground is that he does reach is 
is not someone that's going to be that number one target for an offense. You know, I, I think landing spots and you know, the situation matters a lot for receivers and how they ultimately evolve and produce. Like I think about Lee Evans and I, I'm a Bills guy, right? But I think about if Lee Evans played with Peyton Manning instead of the this musical chairs of like J.P. Lozman and Trent Edwards, Lee Evans might be like a Hall of Fame receiver. But because he played for the Bills with crap quarterbacks, you know, it really, I thought it limited his production. When you think about Brown, how important is that landing spot? Uh, I think it is, is important. Actually funny that you should say that because you soon you said Brown, I was like, Oh, is he going to talk about AJ Brown and landing spot? Because that's the one I really want to talk about. Uh, we'll get to that later. Like I said, but when it comes to Marquise Brown, I think landing spot is important because if he goes to a team who wants to run an offense similar to Kansas city and they put him in the Tyreek Hill role, he will have some success in that. I don't think it'll be the level that Hill is, but I think that there's a there's a role for him to be had. If he goes to an offense that is a little less creative, a little less collegey, then I don't necessarily think he'll be he'll get to that to that level of player. All right, we we've you've teased it a couple of times. We do want to get to AJ Brown, so let's get to AJ Brown, the uh, the receiver from Ole Miss, DK Metcalf's uh, teammate, who's been the you know the got all the production, got all the looks there uh, at Ole Miss. And I think people have been told for a while that this is like the best receiver in the class. And then people that read the draft network maybe realize that we don't believe that. And so let's, let's get into Brown, what he does, what he doesn't do and, and why maybe uh, we're lower on him than some of our, uh, our other friends in the, uh, in the draft community. So AJ Brown, he's listed at six, one, two um, I think when you look at him, he was, his build reminds me of Anquan Bolden. And I've been going back to that um, comparison as far as his body type for, for since pretty much since the summer. Um, his game is not like that, though. He's more of a slot receiver. He has very good feet for someone with how broad he is. Um, quick feet. I think actually his routes are pretty crisp, but I don't think they're that explosive. Um, I think there's a difference there in the fact that DK Metcalf, when he really explodes, he's really exploding. When AJ Brown does it, this doesn't have that elite athleticism. Not that I think he'll test poorly. I think he'll test fine, but just not at that, at the level that I expect Metcalf to test that, that I expect to kill Harry to test that. Um, and then playing in the slot, he doesn't face a lot of press coverage. Um, we'll see if he can do it. If team, the teams want him to play on the, on the outside or is that, but he's never really done it. Um, so if a team's asking to do that, now they're asking to be out of position and I think that's where the landing spot is really going to matter because it's going to come down to, you know, is the team going to put him in the best spot for him or are they going to put him in a spot that they need? And that's interesting because I'm, I try to be careful to not discriminate against prospects that haven't done something that we want to see them do simply because they really haven't been asked to do it. But there was that, you know, you watch Brown late in this season. I can't remember the game specifically, but he, he did get a chance to play outside at boundary. And you saw that he was really raw getting off the line of scrimmage and beating that press coverage. And he was kind of swallowed up a lot in that contact window. What do you, uh, how do we know? Is there any way that we can know right now that he can beat co- press coverage? Or is that just a projection that you have to be comfortable with based on what you can guess? Well, it's difficult for, with him too, because he's a junior. So he's not going to play in any all-star games where we could yeah. go to the senior bowl and see him in one-on-ones and face press coverage and, and really be able to figure it out based on those reps. Um, when it comes to him, the, th- the thing I kept going back to before I saw him outside was DeMarcus Lodge is good against press coverage. DK Metcalf is good against press coverage. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't the coaching staff have coached up AJ Brown the same way that they've coached those two up and he should be better at it. 
But then, like you said, we saw him out there, and it was like, mm, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is him. So it's really going to come down to, like, we really have to value those, those few reps we saw him play on the boundary and, and see, if we, see if the traits are translatable for the next level. But like I said, it becomes a landing spot, and if a team says, hey, we're going to make you golden tape. You're going to be playing the slot. Use your big, thick body. Use your, 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 your ability after the catch. Um, run some crisp routes, and that's going to be your role. I think that's perfect for him. But if a team says, you know, we want you in the slot and you're going to play the Julian Edelman role, he's never going to be able to do it. If he wants to play on the outside, we don't know if he's going to be able to do it. I think there's going to be uh, some people that are going to want to talk about A.J. Brown fulfilling a Juju Smith-Schuster role. And, you know, you mentioned Anquan Bolden, but like, see, and you have the same reaction (laughs) I do because people want to, they're going to have that, he's going to have the big slot label, right? Tell me why he's not Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju not only came to the league very young, but he was an explosive athlete and he was unbelievable down the field. Um, I don't think AJ Brown is that type of player. Uh, and on top of that, you've seen Juju with the ball in his hands. AJ Brown's a good runner. He's very strong. He'll run through, he'll run through defensive backs trying to tackle him. Juju Smith will run by defensive backs trying to tackle him. Um, he is, I think Juju is a special talent. AJ Brown is a good talent. I don't think he's ever going to be as explosive, as good down the field, or as good with the ball in his hands as Juju Smith. All right, let's get to another receiver here. I want to get into Riley Ridley from Georgia. I know you like him a ton. I like him a ton. John Ledger likes him a ton. Uh, But at the same time, he's got 38 catches for 498 yards this season, nine touchdowns. But the production hasn't followed maybe the traits that we see on the field. How high are you on Ridley? What is this guy in the NFL? I think Riley Ridley will end up as a top three receiver for me. Um, I looked at him on a per target basis, and I wrote about this this past week. Um, his his catch rate, uh, as far as the percentage of catches of of the targets, because he only has fifty six targets in the season. Wow. Um, his his catch rate is higher than Andy Isabella's from UMass, who plays wow. strictly strictly in the slot against you know mediocre Division one teams. Um, his touchdowns per target was 6.1. AJ Browns was over 19. Wow. AJ Browns was a touchdown one every 19 targets. Ridley scores one, one every six. Uh, and then you look at his yards per, uh, per target. It was over. Ridley's is over nine. I looked at Tyree Brady from Marshall, who we'll see at the senior bowl. His was 7.4. So if you look at him, Oh, and then he converted 21 first downs on top of his nine touchdowns. Um, that's 30 first downs or, uh, touchdowns out of 56 targets. That's extremely high success rate. Um, so I think if you look at him, it's, it's more of, of the talent around him that is limiting his production. Um, not necessarily the fact that he just isn't good when he gets targeted. Uh, as far as his projection, he's built bigger than Calvin Ridley, his older brother. Uh, he's at six two two hundred. He's a little bit more upright, but I think he has more explosiveness as, his, as far as his like quick twitch, efficient breaks, that type of thing. Not the nuanced route runner that Calvin is, but one that has the potential to be higher. And Riley Ridley's body control along the sideline is rivaled only by DeMarcus Lodge in this class. He's winning along the sideline in contested spots as well as anybody. Um, you saw it against Greedy Williams. You've seen it against all these SEC corners. And I think that is really what's going to separate him as far as being high up in the wide receiver rankings. Yeah, and I, I've had some good information. I think he's going to come out. I think we just have to wait for that that official declaration. But he's a player that uh, I get excited about 
just from what you see in the flashes, like you mentioned there, the, the tar, the, you know, he hasn't been targeted a ton. And part of that's because Georgia just plays offense like cowards a lot of times <laughs> and they, they don't throw the football to him. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's special, man. Those that what he does uh, when he does get targeted is what you want to see from an NFL prospect. Uh, we'll see when everybody wakes up on this guy, because I, I agree with you, he's going to go high and he's going to be a very productive NFL wide receiver. Uh, when we look at this class, it's really interesting because we got a lot of big receivers, right? Hakeem Butler, Calvin Harmon, uh, Colin Johnson. I mean, there, there's a lot of guys that are these big receivers. And I think like people are afraid of big receivers. You know, I don't know if it's the Calvin Benjamin thing, Devin Funches. There's been some bigger receivers that I think maybe people just think, oh, well, they got this great catch radius. They're going to go and be these towering guys that are going to be power forwards and move the chains and then they bust or whatnot. But when you look at the the leaders in the NFL in, in production – uh, they're big receivers, man. Julio Jones, 6'3", 220. He's, uh, he's first. Uh, second, DeAndre Hopkins, 6'1", 215. Evans, Mike Evans, number three, 6'5", 231. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas, 6'3", 212. Kenny Dolody, 6'4", 213. Uh, A.J. Green's been hurt. He's 6'4", 210. Talk to me about big receivers, why we should or shouldn't be afraid of them, and then what's important to see on tape that uh, – that lets you believe that this is a guy that's not going to be, you know, one of those guys that struggles to separate like so many people want to slap that label on bigger receivers. So to touch on what you said, I mean, just some other guys in the class, there's Nikhil Harry, there's yep. uh, JJ Arcago Whiteside. Um, Antoine Wesley is six, six, like 200. And he's yep. like as the longest dude ever. Uh, ben Solak said he's built like slender man um, is as far as what we want to see out of bigger receivers, in my opinion, uh, everyone is afraid right now, like you said, of Kelvin Benjamin. And I think everyone's favorite guy to rag on is Laquan Treadwell. Treadwell. Yep. Yep. Um, because he had the size, but then he went to the combine and he ran a four, six and quote unquote only jumped 33 inches. And it was, you know, I had to go back to the tape and was like, you know, is he really separating? Is the, are these, traits and this lack of athleticism going to dominate at the next level like he did in college. Um, so I think when it comes to the bigger receivers, they have to test well and not only test well, you look at some guys who can test well uh, in the, the vertical and the broad jump. It's like, okay, you're supposed to be able to do that when you're big. Can you run fast? Can you run a good 40? Can you run a good three cone drill? Can you run a good short shuttle? If you're tall and you can get down and run that good short shuttle and three cone drill, that's going to translate into the route running at the next level. And then obviously the 40 is going to be the vertical speed. So it's, it's a combination of we want to see their, their being able to separate uh, in college. But on top of that, if you want to be able to separate guys, uh, you know, decipher between guys, decipher between Akeem Butler, Colin Johnson, Antoine Wesley, are all tall, long, built the same way. It's going to come down to the athletic testing. Are they good in the three cone, the short shuttle, and the 40-yard dash? I think are the three major ones, more so than vertical, more so than broad jump, and more so than height, really more height and weight. This is NFL Under Review, local experts on the biggest NFL stories. The NFL Honors Award Show was last week and one surprise when it came to Defensive Player of the Year. This is Bear Motter with your Los Angeles Rams update from Lockdown Rams. Aaron Donald would have been the first player in NFL history to win the award three straight years in a row, but it wasn't the case that the NFL Honors that award this year went to Stephon Gilmore. And don't get me wrong, Stephon Gilmore had a great season. Six interceptions, 18 pass deflected, two touchdowns. He had 53 total tackles. 
Stefan Gilmore won the award with 21 votes. Chandler Jones came in second with 14. TJ Watt with 10. Although Donald says this doesn't bother him, I see him putting this chip on his shoulder, working even harder, and coming back stronger in 2020, which is a scary thing for the rest of the NFL. For more NFL news, subscribe to the Locked On NFL Podcast only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, I know that I know that you mentioned the testing there. It's very important, especially for wide receivers, right? Is there any of these guys that, you know, these bigger, taller guys that you're like, yeah, to hell with the testing. I'm so comfortable <laughs> with what they show me on the field that if it's if it's somewhere in, in, a, in a ballpark, I'm comfortable. Like who, 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 who of these big receivers does it matter the least for if that's a, if that's actually a thing? Um, it definitely is a thing. The one person I would say for that is Nikhil Harry. And the reason is I've seen Nikhil Harry win a win down the field above the rim. It comes and goes and flashes. Um, but that's not why the reason for him is when you get the ball in his hands, he is special. And if an Mm -hmm. NFL team is going to, they're going to see his film. They're going to say, even if this guy doesn't translate into the route running, even if he doesn't translate down the field, put that aside, throw him a screen pass and let him run through guys because that's his game really that's that's his biggest strength and even if all that stuff doesn't progress we they know at the very least they have that to to fall back on which makes me think his athletic testing won't matter as much because i know that he has at least one positive trait that an apple team can use i want to sneak one more in here I, i want i want your takes on calvin Harmon. i know Several weeks ago, you wrote about, you know, when we were thinking about DK Metcalf potentially not being in this class uh, with the neck injury, we were thinking, okay, well, who's wide receiver one? And one name that, you know, kind of is always in that conversation is Kelvin Harmon from NC State. He's in the fray. He's declared. What's his ceiling? I think that he will end up up there in the top five for me. Um, I honestly thought he might sneak into wide receiver one, like you said, when Metcalf was, was, uh, questionable if he was going to declare i what i like about Harmon is he is the body control you know big outside receiver with the body control you know what there's exactly what you want to see as far as his ability to adjust the passes his ability to to make plays along the boundary to make plays over a defensive back but on top of that i think he separates pretty pretty well for a bigger guy if you look at him separating compared to harry compared to um Colin Johnson or JJ Kegel Whiteside and all those other guys, his, he separates better. Um, and then he also has that ability cause he's six, three, I think he's like two fifteen, So he's built very well. Um, I think he has a very well-rounded game. I don't think he has very win- many weaknesses. I think he understands anticipates coverage as well. Uh, I, I really don't think that he's a guy who will be exploited in any way, uh, by NFL cornerbacks. So because of that, maybe he doesn't have that Trump card that Nikhil Harry has. He doesn't have the Trump card that DK Metcalf has or that, a guy like Devo Samuel has, but I think that he has such a well-rounded game that the NFL teams are going to covet that. He might sneak into the first round. I think more likely than not, it ends up being a second round pick. I know that you are are big. You you care a lot about wide receivers blocking. And I do too. I think it matters at creating yards for your teammates says a lot about you as a player, but it's important. It's, it's very important. Who are some of your favorites so far that you've seen in terms of best blockers in the rising class? Um, Calvin Harmon's very good at it. Um, Nikhil Harry's very good at it when he wants to be. Uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty is a guy who's very, very, very broad-shouldered and, and very cut up. 
And when he wants to block well, it's awesome. He's dominating guys. Um, that's the guy who I look at where I think his ceiling in that regard is probably. Um, and then a, f- a few other guys, you, you like some of the, I like some of the smaller guys' effort. When I watch Debo do it, it's like, you know, sometimes the effort comes and goes, but some of the smaller guys that you look at, a guy like Demarcus Lodge is a, not really small, but smaller than, you know, Metcalf and, and Harry and all them. I like their effort a little bit more, um, even if it's not as dominating and driving guys off the spot um, as, well, as well as the better guys. So I would probably say those, that group of guys. All right, before we wrap, any other names you want to bring to the table? Any sleepers? Any, any big take you want to drop here uh, before we close? Uh, there's definitely one guy I want to mention. It's Keyshawn Johnson from Fresno State. Um, another guy who's, who's built pretty well. He's over 60. He's over 200 pounds. I don't remember the exact specifications, but a good route runner. But this guy, I think he has the best hands in the class. Maybe second only to Hunter Renfro. Um, he just catches everything. He's, he's a, he's a magnet. He has over 90 catches this season. Um, you know, good routes, but he's also a guy who was very good with the ball in his hands. And it's not necessarily, he's the most elusive guy. He's the most overpowering guy, but you watch him run and his legs are going a million miles an hour. And it's like, these defensive backs do not want to tackle this guy. Cause it just looks like it's a chore for them to do it. Uh, so that's another guy who I think is well-rounded. Not necessarily, you know, a top five receiver, but I think he'll be in my top 15, maybe my top 10. Uh, and he'll be a guy who's going to be, a, you know, maybe a late rounder who I think should go more in the mid rounds. All right, there you have it, guys. A, a really fun. I enjoy being able to talk through this with Brad. I hope you enjoyed listening uh, to this conversation about the 2019 wide receiver class. Uh, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Brad Kelly 17. Read everything he writes and you will be a lot smarter when it comes to the wide receivers and, and knowing what matters for the position, uh, I've learned so much from working with Brad uh, since, I guess, full-time since about June. And uh, look forward to that continuing and continuing to expand my own personal knowledge of the position. Uh, so make sure that you are doing the same. Uh, we are going to be back. Kyle and I will be back for you on Friday. We're going to start. We're going to take the next four shows, actually the next five shows, this Friday through next Thursday. And we're going to talk about each one of the five first round rookie quarterbacks and really get deep into some conversation about what we thought of them as prospects, what they proved this season and what, what's next. What does, what do they need to do to take the next step? What do the teams need to do to maximize them uh, moving forward? So really excited about getting into that starting on Friday through next Thursday. Uh, Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and give us that five-star rating. We'd really appreciate it. I'm Joe Marino signing off with Brad Kelly. Thanks for listening to the draft dudes podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.